0: Welcome to the Spooky Sentai Brothers. This is episode 45 of For Your Eyes, ranger the internet's best and only and spookiest podcast dedicated to Joriki Sentai O-Ranger. me can I, you, okay, listen, you, what? It's going to be, like,
1: mid-November when this comes out. Okay, I know, but we missed the last two regular episodes. I just... You could have done, like, a Thanksgiving
0: thing. Listen, or... I, I i had this in the chamber. We were going to do it two weeks ago. I didn't tell you about it then. Um, but I was going to sneak it on you then. Um, but it's been, you know... This is the first it's one that It's been you... a couple of weeks. Okay, no, sorry. Please, it's, um, it's the, it's please first... <laughs> continue
1: <laughs> with the spookiest intro. For our podcast
0: um, The Spooky Sentai Brothers uh, Episode 45 of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger um, Every week we watch an episode of that show And we share our spooky, terrifying thoughts with you, the listener uh, My name is Matt J. With me, as always, is my co-host and brother Dave Dave, how you do today? I'm,
1: I'm scared, Matt <laughs> It's a, a scary time of year It's the scariest it's the scariest time of year. Uh, no, I'm,
0: I'm fine. I've... <laughs> cool. I, I, I wish that I had more, like, ghost, spooky vampire stuff to go through for the rest of this episode. Um, you really I, did I, have, I, I like, don't. if you
1: had had this planned, I feel like you could have... You had two weeks to come up with more
0: sp- spooktacular puns. Hey, listen, uh, uh, stay tuned. Throughout the course of this episode, I might work them in here and there. Uh, but you know what? I'm working in right at the top, Dave is our award-winning opening segment, Dave. Shining in the heavens, there are five stars. Oh, I'm sorry. Before I get to that, I feel like I missed a bit. Today we're up watching episode 45. Episode 45 is called Destruction, the Chorkey Base. And if that's not scary enough for you, I don't know what is. Dave, uh, before we get into that, we need to get into our award-winning opening segment, uh, the five stars. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. Would you my brother, like to hear what the first spooky star of the week is. Sure. Okay, this is the only one of my stars that is even remotely uh, connected to being spooky and or scary. I've told you in years past that uh, I work at a hashtag hashtag fun office. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh... That means that we have... You can... Hey,
1: by the way, I know that that's just a term that we came up with, but um, you can let HR know that they can
0: use that if they want. Listen, I've, I've been petitioning for years. They, they don't listen to me. Uh, that's fine, though. So um, I work at a hashtag fun office, and that means that we have seasonally appropriate uh, holiday parties. Nice. One of those parties is our Halloween party. Now, cool. Now, now, the Halloween party... It normally has a couple of things. It's got like... Uh, there's candy scattered all throughout the office. You yeah, can, that makes you, sense so far. You can enjoy some Butterfingers Are there or costumes? I mean... Uh, there's a costume component. People wear costumes to work on that day. There's a costume uh, competition. People vote to see who has the best costumes. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's very... Now, ugly. how
1: much... Here's... I just have a quick question. So, if... You wear the costume to work all day, right? Of course. Is there a point in the day where, like, the party... Because I assume that, like, oh, it's time for the office party, so, like, everybody gets from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock off. Like, no one is expecting you to do anything at that point. Correct. This is office party time. So... That's fine, but you do wear the
0: costume all day, right? Yeah, people do show up at eight a.m. and then roll through, or whenever they show up, we've got sort so of a like there start is time,
1: just there is somebody in like a very punny costume, but like filling out TPS reports, right?
0: Yes. Uh, so the people who won the group costume uh, competition this year. Uh, was a group of like eight people who all rolled in wearing various Riverdale costumes. No, like oh, look-
1: I think actually uh, producer Mark and his wife did a Riverdale costume.
0: I think that you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I say I think. I know for a fact that they did that thing. Yes, it looked very good. Um, and what else looked very good were the people who did it at my office. But they showed up at 8 to 8.30, somewhere in that range. Dressed like Jughead or whatever, and then just rolled through the rest of the day with like various meetings and phone calls and stuff, wearing Riverdale costumes, and then around like two or three rolled into the uh, holiday party. Right, yeah, which is great. Now, here's the weird thing about the Halloween holiday party this year is Mm -hmm. that it wasn't actually a Halloween party this year. It was an Oktoberfest party. Now you may ask, Matt, what is the difference, practically speaking, between a Halloween party and an Oktoberfest party? You may more say more beers. I would assume. You may say Matt. Probably not more beers. Actually, there's a lot of beer to Halloween br- bratwurst. Um, so th- there was there was not bratwurst per se. The party, really? The party was catered by the people who like we bring in to cater our various parties. Okay. But they didn't have like an Oktoberfest party like platter option and so the things that they had like i think honestly what happened was that the people planning the party talked to the people who were catering the party and said hey what do you have that is vaguely oktoberfest themed so there were like soft pretzels and stuff but there were also like there were like pigs in a blanket but they weren't like bratwurst pigs in a blanket they were just a regular pigs just like blanket. regular old yeah, uh, like guys, there were there like were... bratwurst, some sauerkraut,
1: pretzels, some cream puffs, maybe some like German potato salad, which uh, I don't think is actually German.
0: Uh we did have sauerkraut. We also okay. did have pierogi. Like and listen, pierogi is not I German. love pierogi. Don't pierogi get me wrong. Amazing. Uh but it's not German. It's definitely Polish and Poland is kind of close to Germany. But it's not yeah, like Yeah, much, like, much to Poland's detriment. And, and, <laughs> and listen, I want to be very clear about something. This party happened on October the 31st. There was a costume thing. People were carving pumpkins at the Oktoberfest party. I genuinely think, as you had mentioned before, I genuinely think the only reason this was called an Oktoberfest party is because they wanted to bring in slightly more beer than they normally do. For the Halloween party, which mm-hmm. hey, that's great. Wait, like, right, more power to you. Like, listen, it
1: sounds like a great party. It definitely sounds better than any party my place of employment has ever thrown. Do you, do so, you guys not throw a
0: lot of uh, Halloween parties? We don't throw a lot of parties with alcohol. Well, you do work, and in by a, high school. a lot, that I mean sense. any.
1: Yeah, because I work at a high school, and no, we
0: don't throw fun parties. They we throw lame parties. Have, have you thrown a lame party recently that you want to share with the group? Nope,
1: no, I'm good. Okay. Like there was like a vague see, okay, here's the thing. There's parties, but there's like <laughs> there's never any booze and it's at a high school. It, it's there's just it's just not a good party venue is what I'm saying.
0: No, I get that. I get that a lot. Uh, anyway, this was fun. It was like a fun, like it was definitely a Halloween party. I don't know why they called it anything else. There was a room that they set up at this party that was the video game lounge where I got to roll in and really show off my uh, Mario Kart skills. Oh, nice! Which are my only skills. Those are like. If being very good at Mario Kart Double Dash was a profitable thing, then I would not have a different job, but unfortunately it is not. But I did get to show it off at my work, so I can pretend that I have actually profited off of that. Uh, Anyway, it was a fun time, but Dave, I'm done talking about that. Let's move on. What's our second star of the week?
1: So our second story of the week, Matt, is actually something. It's you got these for me for my birthday. It was my birthday last week. Happy birthday, Dave! Thank you. And uh, you got me the first two books of the Stormlight Archive, Brandon Sanderson's, yeah, uh, you know, b- b- critically acclaimed uh, fantasy series. Now I haven't read these yet. They've been around for a while, and I. This is an insane thing to say. I don't read a ton for pleasure. Uh, which is a an insane thing to say, especially given that I am in fact an English teacher. Uh,
0: Dave, I am a librarian by trade, and I work in the book industry. I also do not read a lot. I get you.
1: Yeah, like I mean, I ju- and like what's weird is like I still love reading. I sit down to read a book every once in a while. I'm like, this is great. Yeah, books are great. I, yeah, books are like the best. I and love then I them. just kind of do other stuff. Um, but anyways. So I, I hadn't read these books, and I have been hearing all these great things about them, and you got them for me for my birthday. And I don't actually just, at this point in my life, I don't have a lot of time to just sit down and read. But I read I read the first six pages of Wave okay. of Kings. I actually didn't even get to the actual book proper. Oh, boy. Because there's a little, like... I mean, I'll tell there's... you what.
0: The the first six pages, I don't know if you, the listener, have ever read these books, but the first well, here, six no, wait, pages let me, are... Let
1: me pause you for a second, Matt, because I got into, like, it's the little introductory section. Yeah. And in, like, six pages, (laughs) Britt Sanderson is like, all right, man, here's the deal. There's a cadre of, like, ten immortal warriors, and, like, they die, and then they have to go someplace terrible, and then they get called back to, like, fight ultra battles, and they each have, like, a world-ending magic sword. Of course. And, like, that's as far as I got, but, like, I'm down. It was fantastic. And the thing I loved about it is that, like, Sanderson knows why I'm there. Sure. Like... I don't need a subplot about, like, how somebody's there to, like, fix the plumbing or deliver a pizza. Like, just get to the action. There's ten dudes. They're immortal warriors. They've all got world-hitting swords. Let's go. I'm good. Okay. Here Um, is
0: the thing about that series of books. It is not about ten immortal warriors with their magic swords. Like, that is a, like, back-end world-building thing that like lets you know something that did happen mythologically in the past of this world. Um and so if no those are the kidding. Yeah, if those are the only pages that you've read so far, you have no idea what this series is about.
1: Yeah, well, I'm down. Um but yeah, it's that was that's really the whole thing. I just really love cuz like listen, is I love Tolkien. Sure. But Tolkien Tolkien writes like th- like semi-thinly veiled uh allegories which he would hate if someone said that but they definitely are
0: please do not tell tolkien that dave please do not talk about allegory jolkin
1: wilkin, wilkin tolkien he would, be that I said that. he would be so mad um and they are written to support his like linguistics habit which is not to say please don't like get a hold of me and tell me i love tolkien like don't get me wrong but, like, it was just so great. Like, I picked up this book, I was like, six pages in, Ten Magic Swords, Immortal Warriors, took out a whole army, let's rock and roll. Um, that's really, uh, it was great. So uh, It's
0: very good. I look forward to you reading those books because I want to talk to you about them. But I sadly, also look forward to, to uh, me reading those books. Uh, you have not read more than six pages, so... I feel like it's so, time maybe to move on to our next star.
1: Yeah, what Matt is our third star of the week?
0: Dave, our third star of the week is that uh, we haven't we haven't done one of these you and me in a couple of weeks uh, because things. Yeah, have been, sorry about that, guys. Hey, you know, listen, we uh, Mark and Brian did an episode of uh, Spider Man. Mark and I did an episode of Live Man. Uh, We had some stuff going on. It is okay, But the reason I bring it up is because the reason that you and I have not done one of these in a few weeks is because you have been very busy, and part of you being very busy has been me hanging out a lot at your place on the weekends the last couple of weeks. Yeah,
1: Well, so two weeks ago, uh, Beth went out of town for a thing, and you very kindly came over and helped me manage my twin babies for the weekend, which, again, was just...
0: Super super cool of you. Well, it, it was um, a very good time.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you had fun. They're a lot of they actually are a lot of fun. Um they're a lot of work, but they're a lot of fun. And which is great because like they at this point in their life, they actually are
0: legitimately fun. Oh yeah, dude. The last you did it today, and then you didn't do it yesterday. I think it was the day before last. You have been calling me when the twins are going down for bed because they want to say goodnight to me. And I'll Oh, tell yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's that's entirely them. Yeah. Like, and, and we're going up to bed and they just say, like,
0: call, call Matt, call. Like, as a guy who's just been, like, hanging out, playing a video game about, like, a World War I thing, like, chilling in my apartment, getting a call from, like, two, two year olds who want to wish you a good night, it's very nice. That's a Aww. good, it's very nice. Yeah.
1: And then, so, uh, and then last weekend was, well, A, it was the show. So it was crazy busy, Uh, but it was also
0: my birthday, and you came over for my birthday, which was a lot of fun. The other thing that was going on last weekend is that our parents were in town. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And the thing about our parents being in town is they were not just in town to hang out. They were in town because when they moved to Sweden like six and a half years ago...
1: Yes? Yeah, I think so. Actually, maybe slightly longer
0: now, but yeah. Uh, They did not know exactly how long they were going to be gone or what the circumstances of their return were going to be. So they just took everything that was in their house that they weren't bringing with them and they put them into a couple of storage units. Now, going to deal with a storage unit is maybe the worst thing you can do with your day because you're sitting in like a dark garage in the middle of nowhere like, opening up boxes and hoping that something inside that box, like, like emotionally resonates with you enough that you don't want to immediately throw it away. But deal, so they have moved back to the States recently. And so they were back in town dealing with their storage unit stuff. And so I went out to go help them. And it was the wildest experience. Because some of the things that were in those boxes were like, oh, yeah, I remember this thing. I made this when I was in the third grade, and it was some, like, piece of terrible art that I made that was sitting on a shelf for years that now that I'm in my 30s, no one should bother keeping. Um But, like, had a real, like, emotional resonance with me, so it was good to see it before it got thrown away. Uh-huh. Other boxes that we opened were just Tupperware. Just actual Tupperware. Like thin- Yeah, like... Like, things that, like, if our parents had come back to the States, like, shortly after having left, they didn't want to rebuy. But, like, the fact is they have been sitting in this storage unit for six and a half years. And I opened up this box, like, what treasure trove is in here? What will I discover? And it's literally Tupperware. And not, <laughs> and not the sort of Tupperware that's obvious as to what it is. The sort of Tupperware that I had to pull it out of the box and show it to Mom and be like, Mom... What is this? Like, why? Why do you have this? Like, what what purpose did this, did this ever hold? And sometimes, it's like, oh, yeah, this is like a veggie tray thing. It's segmented out. And sometimes it was just like a weird scrap of plastic with a serrated edge that apparently she bought sometime 20 years ago that was designed to cut the core out of a head of iceberg lettuce. Um, that no one has used, again, not only has no one used it in the last six and a half years, I don't remember anyone ever using it growing up while it existed in our home. So there was just a lot of rolling through, like, oh, what a beautiful childhood memory. Okay, throw that on the trash pile. Like, it it was the wildest time. It was very good, and it was cool to go through and find all that stuff. But it was, boy howdy, like, it was an experience, Yeah.
1: You know, what's the one thing. So I was busy with the show and I I was going to come out and help and I didn't end up doing that because I was also sick. It was weird. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have been going to that particular storage locker for so long Uh at this point that if in case you ever needed evidence that like just doing something long enough will like make it sort of nostalgic, like going to the storage locker is like, Oh, it's the storage locker. Like, this is where a bunch of stuff is. But, like, I know it. And I know the surrounding area. And, like, I know kind of, like, where in the big building it is. And so now I have, like, memories and vaguely feelings associated with this storage (laughs) locker. Because it is, there's a bunch of stuff, like, from our home and life and childhood that's there. But it is just, like, a cold metal box in a steel building.
0: Yeah. Uh, the good news, Dave, is that we did save the stuff that I think you would care the most about. So someday you will see those things again. Um, uh, but, uh, speaking of, uh, cold metal things that you care about, what is our fourth Star of the Week?
1: Well, okay, I'm just saying I care about it is, I mean, I guess I sort of care about hey, it. Hey, listen, so here's you, a...
0: you put it on the list, that means you care about it. Tell yeah, everyone. Yeah, okay.
1: So a while ago, I, I mentioned that I was gonna buy these new, like, uh, grip trainers, Remember, like I have a train, I have like the training level one, and it's still like actually fairly difficult. And I was like, ah, oh, I think I can get the level, the actual level one. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what episode it is, Mark. I'm sure can look it up on a chart, and I'll give him a space to do so right now.
0: Hey guys, Dave is talking about episode 205,
1: which is O Ranger episode 35, published
0: on August 13th. 2018.
1: Anyways, um, so I did. I finally got them because it's like it's such a fluff purchase. Like it's so frivolous. I, I kind of hadn't gotten around to buying them for a while. And, uh, and anyways, I got some. And so I was just going to get the one. But if you order from the website and you order like three at a time, they do like a pretty, pretty significant like bulk of discount. Like you get 30% off or something if you order, order a few. So it's like, okay. Well, I'll get the number one, the number two, and the number three. Sure. Right? Seems fairly reasonable. So, so because, I, because I watch uh, anime and I read comic books, I had this idea that's like, oh, maybe like I'll, I'll be able to like, you know, like I'm stronger than I realize. I'm not, by the way. That's not where this story is going. So I, I get them. I'm very excited. So I, I start with the number one. And I can close, I can close the number one, like with one hand as you are, as you're supposed to do. I can do like a couple of reps with it. It's like, all right, cool. This is, this is like a good workout, right? Sure. I grab the number two. I cannot
0: close it. Like not at all. Like, not even a little bit? Not even, no, I mean, like, I can move the thing. Sure, but, like, you you can't get it close enough that you can pretend to yourself that you got it all the way. Yeah, oh, no, 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 no. Like,
1: not even vaguely close to closing this thing. And I say to myself, like, okay, I'm just, like, just for kicks. Let's try the number three. And here's the crazy thing. I can get the number three closed. Okay, okay. If I hold it between both arms and use my entire upper body <laughs> to close this thing, the idea that that it could be closed in one hand is like is laughable to me. Except that, like, obviously people have and can do it, but that's so bananas to me that that and there's there's a number four. Like, I just, I don't think I fully appreciated, like, how absolutely bonkers it is that there is a number four after the number three. Now, Dave. It's madness. Dave,
0: would you say that it is terrifying?
1: Uh, I, you know, okay, I was about to say no, but the (laughs) idea that someone exists that has hands that are strong enough to do that is low-grade terrifying. Um... So here's the other thing about these grippers is I, like, I was, like, getting ready for bed the other day, and I sort of look, you know, like I'm brushing my teeth in the mirror or whatever, and, um, and I realize that i really got to start working out, like, the rest of me, because, like, it's not noticeable, really, unless you're, like, a person who spends a lot of time, like, right around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly like if I'm not wearing a shirt. So basically if you're not me or my wife, um, there's a, there's a danger of like a
0: Popeye scenario happening. Okay. So you're going to have terrifyingly like huge hands and forearms and the rest of your body is just going to kind of exist. Yeah,
1: so like I was like, like I was like I gotta start. I gotta just like start doing some push ups or something. Like because this could get <laughs> this could get out of out of hand. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so that's that's my my thing. I'll let you know if I ever managed. I got the number two closed. Um, what well, Matt is our fifth star of the week. Fifth star of the week,
0: Dave is sort of a it's sort of a catch all. Um, because there are two things I want to talk about, both under the umbrella of, of the video games. Oh, I know how we like the video games. The video games are very good. Here are two video games I have been appreciating. Video game number one. Dave, do you know what today is?
1: It's Armistice Day. Yes. Or it's
0: Veterans Day. Armistice Day, Veterans Day, it's the same day. Uh, yeah, specifically, it is 100 years since the end of World War One. This is the 100th Armistice Day. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah, it ended in 1918. Um, I don't know if it is completely happenstance. It, I, I imagine it cannot be completely happenstance. But the the free game with gold on Xbox Gold uh, this month is Battlefield 1. And Battlefield 1 is the, like, wartime game that is set in World War I, Um that just happens to be the free one this month. Again, I'm sure it doesn't just happen to be. Like, it is a significant date. Uh, and I have been playing that game a lot this last week. And I'll tell you what, it's a very good game. Yeah? I mean... I, I,
1: you know, I've never played it, so... Uh,
0: I mean, did you ever play, like, Battlefield 1942 back in college? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's similar to that, except that the video games have progressed a lot. But since Battlefield 1942 is a World War II game, and this is a World War I game, like, the technology of the game has progressed a lot. The technology of the weaponry within the game has regressed re- by about 30 <laughs> years. So I'm rolling through this game, and I'm like, all right, it's time to go do what I do best, the video, James. And then I try to play something. It's like, yeah, this you have a terrible gun that barely works. Have fun, dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really fun. Like... There's, a like, the campaign stuff is very good. There's, like, a couple of, like, there's, like, five or six, like, short stories. It's not one long campaign. There are, like, a number oh, of... Oh, no, s- that's great. Yeah, it's like, okay, here's a British guy with a tank. Here's an American guy with a plane. Like, and you play a couple of missions with each one. It's very cool because it, it, it sort of spreads you out along, like, the story of World War One. Then I started playing the multiplayer. And, Dave, I'm not a great multiplayer online gamer, I think. Well, this is... this is something...
1: We've talked about this in the past.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I just don't have the time for it, and I want to be good at it, but I'm just not. And I'm I'm willing to admit that.
1: But yeah, man, I just don't have the time that is, like, the second job that you need to do to be good at, like... To be competitive in online gaming. I just am not interested.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing about this game, is that it's a World War One game. So I was playing it, and I'm like, okay... I'm in these trenches. I'm trying to play this game, but every time I peek my head above the trenches, I just die or I get bombed, and like somebody shoots me, and I didn't even know they were there. And I got really frustrated I, until I, I mean, I haven't
1: played the game, but
0: well, okay, yeah. Here's the thing: is after a, about an hour of doing this, I was like, "Oh, right. This is a World War One game. This is perfect."
1: Like I was gonna say, that sounds like a pretty good World War One simulator. Actually, what would have the only way that story would be better, Matt? Is if you weren't actually, like you had gotten the wrong menu and you thought you were playing multiplayer and you were just playing like the single player realistic mode. <laughs> and it was just the game just murdering you over and over again. Uh,
0: no, but it, it was really interesting. It's, it, it is a very interesting experience to play a game like that and just be like, oh, right. War is hell. Nothing is Nothing about this is good. I'm playing it as a video game. But like, boy, oh, boy, that was a thing. Uh, anyway yeah. world war one is fascinating uh if you know me in real life talk to me about world war one I sometime I, I i read a lot of books folks uh dave here's a second game i've been playing this is about a non-real war um cool. it is called those uh, god god man
1: aren't there so much better
0: oh my gosh there's so much better they're just dave.
1: way 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 better the
0: fake ones that they just make video games about make me feel so much better um, yeah. It's not that they make me feel good. It's just they don't actively make me feel terrible. Uh, this is one called Into the Breach. And I, kn- okay. I know you don't play a lot of video games anymore, Dave.
1: I don't. But- I don't. Well, when, when, when summertime comes around, I'm, I'm kind of dipping a toe back in. Like, I played a little Hitman some more this summer. So anyways, tell me about this game. Uh,
0: here are two things that I know you love about video games. I know you love Final Fantasy Tactics and the sort I of games do. that are done in that style. I,
1: yeah, I super love them. And I
0: know you love a game that respects your time and does not, like, get you trapped into playing something for six hours on end. Yeah, I also love that. Okay, Into the Breach is, like, the game you should be playing then. Because here's how it works. It is a tactic-style game. Love it. Um, Every map that you're on is an 8x8 grid. Wow, that's very small. Okay. Yeah, it's an 8x8 grid, and it only lasts for, like, a couple of rounds. Because either by the end of a couple of rounds, you've won or you've lost. And, like, it's a lot of, like, there's direct damage attacks. There are pushing attacks and pulling attacks. And so you're, like, moving people around the battlefield while you're doing it. But what's great is that it is a, um, it is, like, a roguelite game. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, so you roll in, you're like, hey... I am here to fight these monsters that are scurrying out of the earth. Um, The monsters scurry out of the earth. You have like a heads up as to what they're all doing. So every time that they are going to make a move, they forecast their move one turn ahead. So your move is all about responding to and trying to counteract the thing that you can see that they are about to do. Hmm. Okay. But the maps are all, like, semi-randomized within sort of, like, a set uh, degree of, like, things that the game can be, like, set parameters. And then, eventually, because the game is very difficult, you will lose. And when you lose, you hop into a time breach, which is why the game is called Into the Breach.
1: Oh, okay, Uh, You hop into a
0: time breach, and you, like, are able to send one of your people back in time to the beginning of the game, and then you start over in an alternate timeline. So it's, hmm. it's really fun because you get to play all of these sort of, like, chess puzzle-sized, like, tactics games, but no individual battle is going to take you longer than, like, a half an hour. It's amazing.
1: No, that sounds super rad. Are you, like, so the person is leveling up, I assume, or... Yeah, so your
0: characters can level up, but again, at the end of each timeline, you could only send one of your pilots back. I, I say pilots. It's like a mecha game. Like you're in a giant mecha fighting giant monsters. Ah, nice. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, anyway, it rules. Um, I should bring it over to your place. So, to your place sometimes you can enjoy it. Uh, but David, that is our last star of the week. And speaking of giant robots fighting giant monsters, we have got to get into episode forty-five of Chogokin Sentai Air Ranger. It is called Destruction: The Cherokee Base. Uh, so we're gonna go watch that, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. So, we have just finished watching episode 45 of Cherokee Sentai Ranger. Um, it's great. It's really good. Well, it's also... So, A, it's really good. B,
1: it's very exciting because it is... Sorry, it's an exciting episode of television to watch because it is the first episode of the like season finale wrap up. This really is the beginning of the end
0: uh for O Ranger. Yeah. It starts
1: it's it all starts right here. Right here.
0: Uh, it kind of snuck up on me honestly. Like because this season has been so sort of kind of it's been a little uneven. I mean, we've talked yeah, about that. Yeah,
1: it has been. Well, and then also because we missed a week or two, but yeah. yeah, like I was I was looking at the the DVD and I was like, "Oh, this is this is it. This is like, there's only four more episodes of this, of this show to
0: go. Yeah. So like there's this episode that we're doing right now. And then next episode, we're going to do another sort of regular Super Sentai Brothers episode. And then the following, we always finish up the last of the season by doing the last two episodes in one episode. And so like, we are right on top of that. And I, I, I knew it numerically, but watching this today really made me feel the fact that we're right at the end.
1: Yeah. Well, I, let's, man, let's just get into it. So um, the episode starts. It's nighttime. We see a kid. He's in bed. There is a, an earthquake. And he, you know, like, he gets up and he, like, runs to the window. He's trying to figure out. And it looks like... I thought it looked like a dragon. A sort of, like... It's like a robot version of, like, a multi-person, like... um Eastern dragon puppet?
0: Mm. Uh, actually, no, I have it in my notes as something slightly different. Um, first of all, I have it in there s- initially as a centipede horse. Um, okay, well, listen. You know, dragon's kind of a centipede horse. Yeah. Uh, but here's the other thing that I have it in my notes as you know, in Super Mario World. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah! With like the with the spikes on their head, and they kind of yeah, it's like a four segmented weird caterpillar thing. Yeah, it's a
0: multi segmented weird caterpillar thing, and if you jump on it the wrong way, it turns red and gets very angry and moves around more quickly.
1: Yeah, that thing. it does. It's like the Bara version of that thing. Yeah, yeah. What they call it though is Bara Micron, and mm-hmm. I, I don't really know why. Um, so it it shoots green energy. So the kid that kind of hops out of his room, I guess, and then he's. Why, the babies were climbing all over me as I'm watching this episode. <laughs> there are spots of so I've I use like a voice to text because it's impossible to type while they're while they're running around, and the the android like voice to text thing when you're talking it sends out like a little circular waveform so you can see that you're talking, and so the babies figured that out and Buddy Bear <laughs> is just like turns tur- turns. Turns And was like grabbing the phone and just going into the phone. So like and there's a bunch of spots in my notes that it just says Ep, a big, big, big or um, yeah, anyways.
0: Well, I, I have pretty good notes. So hopefully if we hit one of those moments, I will be able to keep you covered.
1: Yeah. So it shoots. So the kid is out by the by bar micron and it shoots green energy out of its mouth. Like a kind of like a swirly wave of green energy. Yeah,
0: in my notes I have it described as an energy spore breath. Yeah,
1: that's wow. It was very astute of you. Um, and then the kid that hits the kid and that's for some this knocks him unconscious for some reason, and he kind of like rolls down the hill and he's he's knocked out.
0: Yeah. Okay. Next morning. Our boy Goro is waking up to his alarm clock. It is 7 a.m., which feels a little late in the day for an O-Ranger to wake up. It does.
1: I also don't know why it weirds me out that the O-Rangers have apartments. Like, I... like, I feel like they should all live on base, I think.
0: It does seem like they should have barracks, This, but Goro definitely... Yeah, like, they should have, like, private quarters in the the barracks, obviously, yeah. but... Yeah, but Goro definitely just has an apartment in this building. It's the same building that we saw earlier. Uh, the kid's name... Was it Mi- uh, Mikio? Was that it? Yeah, I believe Mikiko? so. Mikio. I think it's Mikio, I think. So it's the same building. Goro wakes up. He is wearing a full suit of pajamas. Uh, yes, love it. They are striped, vertically striped. Uh, they are just like striped silk pajamas. Listen, man, if you're gonna do it, just do it. Absolutely, you know I'm a man with a recently monogrammed robe. Um, yeah, so he wakes up. His alarm clock is going crazy, and Anyways, not the so same he's way woken up. Maya Goro
1: is not- by a ringing alarm clock, and. He, you know, he's, like, under the... He does... It's, like, awesome because they just do... He, like, reaches out from under the covers and is, like, reaching for
0: the... It's like Garfield old furious at his alarm clock. Yeah,
1: his old-timey, like, ringing alarm clock. And he manages to get it, and then he gets up out of the blankets, and the clock is just going crazy. Uh, the, The hands are spinning, and he sort of, ooh, what's happening? And then the clock floats up out of his hand, And launches itself through a window. Shatters his window. Shatters his window. He runs to the window. He sees the clock is now stuck in a tree and is continuing to, like, you know, kind of wig out.
0: Right. So, Goro runs outside to go take a look at his clock. But not before. He does get dressed first. I was going to say, not before he takes the moment to put on his O-Ranger jumpsuit. And I, I don't know if I feel like I should chide him for like not having his priorities, or applaud him for really sticking with the branding.
1: No, listen, Matt. This is clearly okay. Here's why you should applaud him. This is this is a man who knows his business. He knows that this is some weird paranoia nonsense, and if that is the case, it is worth it. To take because that's a speed suit, man. That that
0: jumpsuit is one piece. Sure,
1: I, I'm it not sure worth that it. he
0: took off his uh, pajamas before he put this thing on.
1: I would imagine he did not. Although he does have like super strength, he could probably just like tear them off very quickly if he needed to. But the point is, is that Goro knows he's experienced. He knows it is worth it to take the 45 seconds, get in the jumpsuit, get your boots on, and be ready to face whatever's happening. Because if he didn't, he'd just be running around in some silkies like, mm-hmm. barefoot, and then some stuff would happen, and he's not prepared. It's worth it to take the take the time.
0: Well, good for you, Goro. You did it.
1: Yeah. So he runs down, and he actually runs into uh, Mikio from... which is the kid from last night.
0: Yeah, this is why I assume they have like, apartments in the same building. Because otherwise, it would have been weird for Mikio to come and hunt down Goro for this. Uh... So he is watching his alarm clock grow crazy. And Mikio r- runs up and like, hey, um, here's what's happening. I saw a crazy machine beast last night. He showed up here. I was going to investigate it more, but, like, I slipped on some wet grass and knocked my head, and I fell unconscious.
1: Oh, okay, that why he's, that's why he fell unconscious. I do really, like, this kid is on it. This kid is a member of, like, the Junior O-Ranger Scouts or whatever. He's like, I saw something weird. It's definitely Machine Beast. Like, I took some, like, I got a sketch. I think He doesn't actually have a sketch, but he's like, here's what's going on. Um, I just love how prepared and into this Mikio is.
0: Imagine if all of the adults in this show were as prepared. Like, remember uh, Professor, what's his name? Oh, geez, The, the um, robotics professor? Imagine if he was yeah. this on top of stuff. He was like, oh, yeah, I saw something that was clearly an alien that was trying to destroy our way of life. Um, and I wrote something down. Like, no, no, no. That guy just wanted to know about robots. This little kid is actually on top of things.
1: Yeah, so, um, the kid, like he's, as they're saying all of this, they see like off in the street that there is a car that is like chasing people down. It's like just driving really crazy and surprise, surprise, there's nobody at the wheel. Whoa, 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 what is
0: happening? It's so spooky. Um, so spooky. So terrifying.
1: Then, super scary. Ooh. It's probably haunted. Ooh. So then there is a great moment where the hood of the car starts like, Fla- jump, like uh, Flapping up and down As though it is a mouth That is trying to eat people mm-hmm. I just thought like That's not how cars work But I did think that it was a fun idea well, I
0: mean it kind of is how this car works Because somebody ends up inside of that hood And like the top of the hood Keeps like jumping up and down On this dude as though the car is trying I mean, to eat I mean that
1: him. would like listen It's not going to eat him but that would definitely suck I
0: mean, It's a bad day for this guy
1: um, so, Goro and the kid, like, they rescue this guy who's being, like, fake eaten by the car. And then what we see is just a bunch of establishing shots of machines going crazy, yeah. like, all over the city. So, Goro. Everybody's getting jacked up by their machines.
0: Goro calls into headquarters. He's like, hey, chief, um, here's a weird thing. A car is going crazy, in my, and I had a weird alarm clock morning. Now, normally, when I call my boss in the morning and I say, hey, my alarm clock was weird. My boss does not say, oh, sure, machines all over the city are going crazy and trying to murder people. Uh, normally, they just say, cool, try to get to work on time. Uh, but in this well, case... Well, I guess I would
1: ask, I would ask, have you ever called in late while machines all over the city were going crazy and trying to kill people? I mean, I feel like yet. that's a vital piece. Well, in that case, what would you expect your boss to yeah. say?
0: But in this case, Garo's boss does say, oh, yeah, this is not a isolated incident. Machines everywhere are going crazy. And we go through this montage, montage part number one. There is a vacuum cleaner that has like the hose of the vacuum cleaner has latched onto a woman and is just dragging her down the road. Um, Jury and Momo try to stop this woman from getting dragged away from by the vacuum cleaner, only to themselves be caught up in the vacuum and get dragged away by this vacuum cleaner.
1: Which uh yeah I'm that is a heck of I would like to know the brand of. Of that vacuum cleaner.
0: It's a tiny vacuum cleaner. This is a canister vacuum I know. cleaner. I That's just an is not enormous even a stand amount of up thing. And I know from vacuum cleaners. No, that's what cleaners, I'm saying. I, it's, just, it's a very impressive piece of technology. That's all I'm saying. You know I was at one point in my life a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman. Uh, yeah.
1: I, w- I have one of the two vacuums you sold downstairs right
0: now. Yeah, it was a good vacuum. Uh, this is not that good of a vacuum. Stuff. I feel a little a little assaulted. I feel like a little attacked that this like little crappy vacuum cleaner is doing way better. The other time that a vacuum cleaner attacked people was during Inferno, the Marvel Comics event series, where Daredevil has to fight a vacuum cleaner, and it's extremely good.
1: I, guess, and it, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my gosh, dude, you got to read that issue. I assumed we were going to talk about Bear a Vacuum. No,
0: you got to read that issue where Daredevil fights a vacuum cleaner. That is an Adnescenti John Romita Jr. issue of Daredevil, and he fights an evil vacuum cleaner during Inferno. It's so good. Uh, well, yeah, I will definitely check that out. Okay, so anyways, there's lots of machines.
1: They're doing lots of very, very bad things. So, um we see and then we see another shot we see um Bara Micron he's kind of like rolling around and he's doing more of his as Matt said sort of like green spore energy blasts we go from there to the base and it even the base has been somewhat infected like something is going on with the base it's not functioning as properly yeah as properly as, as it should as properly as it should um so Goro shows, so like everybody's there, Goro shows up with Mikio, they're like, what is happening? Like, we can't figure anything out.
0: Yeah, like systems are going down, like when they run in, the chief turns to Momo and is like, hey Momo, the computer is all wrong, like go switch things over to our secondary computer so that we can continue to function.
1: Yeah, so she does that. Again, Momo is out the only happening. character
0: in the show who has exp- like exhibited any sort of particular expertise towards anything.
1: Yeah. So they're still stumped. But the chief like the chief realizes maybe what is going on. He says, listen, Momo, analyze the air in the room. Yeah.
0: Well, Mikio has told at this point the chief like, oh, I saw this weird spore cloud happening. So that's why he. Oh, yeah. That is why the chief tells Momo to examine the air. And when she does, she realizes that there is this, like, that same sort of cloud of green energy is going previously undetected, but it's all throughout the base. And the chief is like, okay, here's what the problem is. This is dark particles. Yes. It
1: is. Yeah. And then somebody drops the amazing line, which is those particles of light. Are
0: dark particles? (laughs) Yeah. See, the thing about dark particles is that they're like light particles, except they have zero mass, and so they can infiltrate any machinery. They're even smaller. They're They're even smaller
1: than light particles. Yeah. Look,
0: imagine how light, how tiny light particles are, and then take all the light away, and that's how small they are. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's really the dark particle. So, the Dark Particle is what is flowing around Tokyo and making a huge mess of things. Um, And, like, we get more shots of everything kind of blowing up all around town. Like, trains are stopping and then going in reverse and then going backwards and forwards. Um, And they're like, oh, boy. Like, if if the power is all messed up in Tokyo, doesn't that mean that the city will be destroyed? It's like, yeah, man. That's... That's what they're doing. Baranoia actually. Yeah, has like a plan, that's kind of the whole.
1: Yeah, like that's that's the
0: plan, dude. That is, that is definitely what they're doing. Speaking of our boys up in the Baranoia Empire, they roll in.
1: Yes. So in they come, and there's kind of like a big, you know, he it's Kaiser Bulldo and he does like a big announcement, and he says now, like, you've treated machines like slaves for too long, and now the machines will treat you like slaves. And I do...
0: Like, Kaiser Bulldo, do you think all the machines on Earth are sentient? I mean, he must, because as the camera is going around town talking about all the machines who are turning people into slaves, they're all, like, backhoes and cars and, like, trains and stuff. They're not things that were ever designed to have sentience
1: yeah so, um, yeah he's just got like some weird I wonder, I mean this I think is probably just uh you know he's just looking for an excuse, so but he says like this is this is the deal, and the rangers are like, okay well, we we gotta go, like we've gotta go fight him, and the chief says, you like no, like do not do that, like the only reason they're doing this is that they want us to bring out o blocker. And I think this, I think, is actually one of the coolest things that O-Ranger has done. Is that because they are very specifically, like, machine-slash-robot enemies, Mm -hmm. they're throwing a lot of wrenches in the works of just using a giant robot to beat them. It's like, no, because uh, I just really dig that they've written into the story, like, no, these... These sentient robots, they want us to bring out our giant robot because, like, they can use it somehow because they're already robots. Right. Uh, like, you can't just roll out there with Blocker and punch them in the face. Like, it's not going to work. Right, their
0: whole plan is they have something that is sending out what is essentially, like, like nanomachines, right? Yeah, basically. And those things are taking over the entire, like countryside. So if you roll out with your giant the, the most giant deadly robot of all time, their crazy nanomachines are just going to make them mess up.
1: So um I know that in a second the rangers are going to deploy anyway, but what my notes say is never ever 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 never ever Balabak so is there like an important in uh interaction between the chief saying like no don't go and Goro saying like well we're gonna go anyways no
0: no i think that never ever never ever 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 balabak actually kind of covers that
1: okay uh well great so they they do that so they deploy oblocker and um like they just start fighting baromicron um okay
0: it's like this fight rules. Here is why this fight is great. is because so often we get, like, a dude in a robot suit versus another dude in a robot suit. But the thing about Baron Micron, and we kind of described bear Micron earlier, but um, if you have not watched the episode, the way that bear Micron works, the costume that is, is that, you know, like, imagine, like, two people in a horse costume where, like, two people are the front leg, Like, one person are the two front legs, and another person is the back legs and they're sort of in this thing that's connected that's baromicron but it's broken up into like five different segments so when o blocker goes in to fight them this thing is like five times bigger than it but it's just like rolling around as this giant like weird multi-segmented robot that they're kind of trying to wrestle with but it's very difficult because they're kind of getting like wrapped up in it like it's very weird
1: yeah um yeah, like they're just kind of not prepared. Like they don't really know what to, what to do with this thing. Um, so, uh, Princess, the Empress Multiwa, and Kaiser Bulldone are also there, and they're like, "Ha ha ha! This is never going to work for you." Um, once O Ranger, or once at this point, O Blocker has fully engaged with Bar Micron. It, it looks like they're like, oh, maybe this is actually okay. And then they call out the secret weapon, which is Shohei piloting um, Red Puncher. Yeah,
0: see, I really like this because I had not noticed. I don't know if they were doing, like, particular camera cuts to avoid it.
1: No, I also
0: totally did not notice. But, like, Shohei was not in the cockpit of O-Blocker. Like, Shohei was holding back, and he is piloting Red Puncher. And so, just as O-Blocker is about to be attacked, Red Puncher gets launched. He rolls in and, like, m- like clobbers uh, Baron Now, there are two things that I love about this. One, I was genuinely surprised, which I- almost never happens in a giant robot fight. The other mm-hmm. thing that I love is I love Shohei piloting Red Puncher. Like, because that is the sort of thing that almost never happens, where somebody pilots somebody else's robot... Or thing like in an episode way, way back in the day, uh, when Yuji was the guy inside of the uh, what was the wheel they used to have? Not Tackle Boy, but the other wheel they used to have, um, big giant roller. Yes, when Yuji was in giant roller, like that was great. And in the same way that that is great, Shohei piloting Red Puncher is really good, especially because Shohei is the puncher, like Shohei is the boxer. This kind of should've al- already been his robot, if we're being honest.
1: Yeah, that is a good <laughs> He should have he should have been the one who was punching.
0: So he rolls out and he is trying to fight, and then like, man, it seemed like a really good idea, but it goes bad on them very quickly. Because as it turns out, Baron Micron does not have to be connected into like one big rope. Like, all of those different segments, like, scattered, and now you have O-Blocker and Red Puncher trying to fight five different pieces of Baromicron who are all operating independently. Right, now, okay, this apparently kind of works, except, like,
1: all the pieces, most of the pieces of Baromicron are just, like, spheres with legs, and they're just sort of, like... Like, the Black Knight at the end of Monty Python, where he's only got, like, one leg, and he's just sort of, like, hopping at King Arthur. That's that's what a lot of it looks like. But this is somehow dangerous. Except, well, okay. Actually, I think what's probably supposed to be happening is they are distracting from the head of Baromicron. And Baromicron's head is the part that, like, releases the nanomachines. And that's what actually is the problem. Right,
0: because at this moment, Baron Micron lets loose with those deadly, deadly nanomachines.
1: Yeah, so they hit Red Puncher first, and Red Puncher just starts dancing.
0: Yeah, so Red Puncher... Okay, at this point, Baron Micron, as it turns out, is a semi-proficient D&D wizard and has cast the very terrifying spell... Uh, Otto's Irresistible Dance.
1: Yeah, I. it is terrifying. I think it's less terrifying than Tasha's hideous laughter. That's right. That's very true. Yeah. But, yeah, so he he casts um Otto's Irresistible Dance. Uh, which, yeah, I was like, going to yeah, say, Dave, again, as uh, you say. not
0: everyone here has played D&D. Dave, do you, do you want no, to explain for the good people Otto's Irresistible Dance? So, well,
1: I mean, it's a... It's a magical spell, and if it gets cast on you and you don't manage to resist it, you just have to dance. Um, and there's, like, a time limit on it. But, it, like, it's utility in D&D. Well, actually, it's utility in D&D is exactly its utility here. Because if you're dancing, you can't also be fighting me. Right. Which is precisely what happens to Red Puncher. Now, I, this seems to be random because, like, Kaiser Bulldog seems as surprised as anyone that this is the case. And I kind of dig that because what it tells us is that the it just shoots these particles out. And all that they know is that the particles make machines malfunction. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't know what they're going to get. And in Red Puncher's case, it's dancing. Now, Kaiser Bulldog, seizing the moment brilliantly, I will say, uh, does call for music from Ancha and Kocha. Because Ancha and Kocha are, like, watching this whole thing. In the baranoia's, like, floating moon base that has come down to Earth.
0: Yeah, so Aja and Koja drop the beat, and they start playing some dance music, and Red Puncher just starts going nuts on this dance music. O'Blocker tries to hop in and, like, intervene, but O'Blocker also gets hit with the Dark Particles, and now you've got a two-person giant robot dance party in the middle of Tokyo... And as they're dancing... the m- It's actually a pretty detailed choreography. It really is! Um, and as they're doing this, Acha and Kocha start speeding up the music that they're playing, and so Red Puncher and O-Blocker start dancing faster and faster and faster uncontrollably, and all of the O-Rangers inside of them were like, oh my gosh, we cannot stop this from happening. These machines are gonna, like, overheat or explode or whatever.
1: Uh, yeah, I think the I think the chief jumps in and says to, says to eject. Um, so I've got cheap thrills, ep to eject, and then ep a big, big, big.
0: Oh, ep a big, big, big. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, let's see. I've... It's actually the exact opposite of what was happening. Clearly, uh, Buddy Bear is not watching the episode too quickly because now it's not ep a big, 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 big. It's back to being a human scale fight because they do in fact eject from there eject from their
0: robots. Yeah, they... Like, the robots sort of fall over. They jump out of them. Uh, they then try to use King Smasher on Baromicron, which, guys, like, yeah, no, I, I get just... it. Like, you're in the desperation mode right now, but if King Smasher was going to have worked, you should have tried that before you brought your giant robots to a fight that was specifically designed to turn giant robots against you.
1: Yeah, so, um... There's actually a, it's a it's a pretty cool fight um it's all of the Rangers versus basically just um Kaiser Bulldog and empress multiwa yeah there is a neat effect where her like crazy power bow like morphs into a rapier mm-hmm. and that's neat and she does like a cool sword fight with o red and um it's just really good it you know, the thing I think that I really like about Kaiser Bulldown and Empress Multiwa is a lot of the time when you are watching, like, one or two people sort of hold off the rangers, like, the whole the whole Sentai, just them, it's not very convincing. But I think they do a very good job of it with, with Kaiser Bulldown and Empress Multiwa. Because, like, a lot of it is, like, they both have a lot of ranged attacks. Mm-hmm. And so they're just, like, off, like, on the top of buildings, like, sniper shotting down, like, crazy energy arrows at the Rangers. And they just kind of, they convince, that it's very good that they kind of managed to keep the Rangers off kilter enough that they can never really mount a serious counterattack. So um, things are going very poorly for the Rangers. Yeah. And then not- and Barra Micron gets back in the... Gets back in the game. Yeah, so Baron
0: Micron hits the rangers with the Dark Particles, and somehow this causes them to lose their transformation ability. So they all shift back into being just like regular dudes in jumpsuits, which is not great when you are fighting uh, Bulldog and Multiwatt and a giant robot. Uh, Acha and Kocha... And then at this point, because they still have all of their dark particles like going throughout O-Blocker, have managed to use that as sort of like a backdoor hacking technique to be able to look into the memory banks of O-Blocker. So now, Acha and Kocha and all of the Baranoia Empire know where the Cherokee base is. So now, yes, instead of just which... messing around, they can go straight there.
1: Yeah, so my assumption was that this plan was designed to like get like get control of o-blocker does not actually seem to be the case
0: yeah like they do have control of o-blocker sort of but that is not their purpose their purpose is to like go right to the source and start bombing their base yeah which they do and it's very bad because chief and mikio are still hanging out in this base Well, yeah, like they are there, and then and none of the rangers are right. It's all (laughs) of the support staff, and so like the base starts getting bombarded, and all of the the soldier shock troops are rolling in, and they're just like attacking the people who work in this base, and it's not like nobody is prepared for
1: this. Now, I do have one quick question, which is, they say they're like, oh, we finally managed to like find the base. How far away from Tokyo is this base supposed to be? Because Goro definitely does bring a small child there.
0: Man, I don't know. I remember at some point they there was an episode a long time ago where Jury brought a like a little like toy robot to the base. And we saw. Oh her. yeah, it
1: was like it was a it was an exploding robot, and she wanted yeah. it to be like cool, and it was evil.
0: So we saw her driving into the base. So I assume like it's not like that far outside of town. Okay, yeah, that's it, also what I am like thinking. it is
1: isolated. Yeah, I just feel like you probably could have found it before now if they were really looking. But anyways, so um, the base is just like they're there, they're attacking, like they're doing like strafing runs. And the chief just looks around. and He's like, "This is it. Like this base is not. This is no longer defensible. So the only thing I can do, at least right now, is is save the remaining robots. And so um, it's they definitely just use the toys. Oh, like one hundred percent.
0: So obviously, just the toys.
1: Because what the, he like hits a button." And the robots, like, descend into, like, a secret door that is, like, built under them. And, yeah, like, it's just very obviously the toys. Which, listen, I actually think we should give them some credit for not doing that more often. Yeah. Because they they have at ready disposal very accurate models of the things that they have need giant versions of. So, like, I get it. Um... Chief turns to Mikio he's like we've got to get out of here predictably as they're running out there's an explosion and the chief is trapped yeah the chief is trapped under rubble Like
0: the chief is super trapped under rubble to the point where like I genuinely don't know if we're gonna see him after this episode like he might have just died and we like we'll have to deal with that.
1: I, yeah, dude, I, I did not expect that, and I did have some genuine feelings about it. Dude, okay. Um,
0: the, the chief is real, real cool. The guy
1: who, I think the chief might actually be my favorite ranger.
0: <laughs> Although he is not my favorite chief. He is not better than the chief from Jetman. No, 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 he's not, but he is anyways. Uh, but the chief, like, he, when he is trapped into the rubble, he is doing some capital A acting.
1: Like Oh, yeah. It's a great man. He is chewing through scenery. W- it's glorious. Like, the
0: look on his face, he gives so much more emotion in this scene than he has given in the entire series up to this point. Because Mikio is trying to get him out, right? Like, he's trying to move the rubble, but Mikio is just a kid. And so Mikio can't yeah, actually can't do, do anything. And so Chief says, listen, you have to run. And he looks at him dead in the eye and says, listen, run. Tell the others to go where Baranoia cannot reach and plan a counterattack. Like this is like like you need to get out of here and deliver that message to the O Rangers. And that's yeah. like that's all that's the last we see of the chief in this episode.
1: Yeah. Um the next thing that we see, we don't actually even see uh Mikio getting out to the Rangers. We just see the Rangers and they are running. Like they are running or no, I'm sorry. They catch up with the with uh, Kaiser and Empress Multiwah, and they've got a bunch of baranoia soldiers with them. Mm-hmm. And they kind of face off, and then there is a fantastic moment because Juri, or I'm sorry, yeah, Yuji and Shohei just like dive forward and tell everybody else to book it.
0: Yeah, they're like, like not all five of us are going to get away. So those two just like tackle a bunch of bara soldiers and like get them all tangled up and as everyone else is like no guys what are you doing this like no like you you run we will hold them off and like goro has to like basically grab momo and uh Juri, like by like the collars and drag them away from the fight because they are not willing to let shohei and yuji do this
1: but, like, Goro gets it. He's like, no, this is. Yeah. You know, this is the only way that this is going to happen. And so they do. Like, they just book it. on, um, And the last, I don't know, probably minute of the episode is literally just Goro and Momo and Juri, like, just running. Yeah.
0: We, we do.
1: Because that's all they can we do.
0: We do see before the end of the episode, Shohei and Yuji, like, captured, right? Like, they are, like,. Yeah, so they're not—they're not dead at least. Yeah, so like obviously we're going to see them again, but like they are not in a good place, and that's the end of the episode. Like this, yeah, that's it, man. This is part one of the four-part finale of O-Ranger, and things do not look good for our heroes. Now, normally, Dave, I would say that this is the end of the episode, but it's not the end of our episode. But that would mean that we would have to talk about Barb, yeah. Yeah, like Borrow Micron is still around. Like, there's no one to put on the so, yeah. uh, the the Creature Royale at this point.
1: Yeah, I w- you know so th- I guess in closing, um, it's a really good episode, and I the only thing I think that's bumming me out a little bit about this episode is that I see in this episode what maybe the rest of this season could
0: have been. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like watching all that stuff, especially right at the end where like the chief is having like a big moment and then Shohei and Yuji are saving the other three. Like if they had spent more. Like that's,
1: that's fantastic. Like Like that's all very good stuff, man.
0: That's what I want out of a Sentai series. And I feel like if they had spent more time and effort giving me more to care about about these individual characters, this would be hitting me way harder right now.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but. But. They didn't. And now the episode is over. <laughs> um, and I think, Dave, unless you can think of anything else, that that is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, o ranger No, I think I'm good. Right on. Uh, well, before we finish up here, folks, I would like to remind you that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to get any updates on future episodes or see the things that we are talking about on Twitter, we are at bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you find the show. Um, This show, the aforementioned show, the one that we were just talking about, is a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. If you would like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do that at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week for the greatest show on earth.